Yep. Yeah, that's one of those days today I, I got up and I'm talking to my wife and uh, getting things situated and she got her hair in a ponytail and she's wearing a sweatshirt. So I assume it's like 6 a.m. And uh, then I noticed my phone was dead because her foot kicked it out of the charger because it's by her closet. Oh, and no. then when it finally comes on, I realized I got about 15 minutes for me and you go on. How you doing? Good. Thank you. Yeah. Hanging in there. Um, busy, as always, trying to juggle two kids and full-time ministry. So it's a challenge. Yeah. Well, you know, you're probably one of the first apologists or influencers that I ran across. I think that I was, when I first started watching your content, I think is when I worked at EWTN. Okay. They've got us. Have you ever been there? Yes, I have. Okay, I was on know, uh, one of their shows. Okay, you know where you drive past the little guard shack down that hill? Yeah. That's where I sat 12 hours a day, usually at night. And I ran across I ran across you, and then it took me a while to get your face and the, uh, the names of your ministries together. Do you know what I mean? Because there's, there's some of them. When you had the word Catholic, there's Amy. Two of my favorite YouTubers. Hey, Amy. Hi, so, Amy. So are you a cradle Catholic? Yes, I am. You just was born on fire for, for God being Catholic? Or <laughs> no, was... no, 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 no. I was, well, I was born in a good Catholic um, family. I was the oldest of six kids. We have three boys, three girls. So we have a Brady bunch. I yeah. was Greg Brady, the oldest. And uh, we went to church every Sunday. We went to confession every month. My mom taught me to pray since I could talk. And then I took a detour in high school. I, uh, start, I had a, some abuse when I was a kid and I started getting really angry and I was bullied a lot and I started becoming depressed and ended up dressing in all black, carrying weapons, hating the world, um, hating myself, didn't look in the mirror for seven years because I hated the sight of even looking at myself. And my life was pretty much just anger, confusion, rage. And uh, it wasn't until my mom friend sent me to Franciscan University to try to get some more Jesus in me that I decided to, uh, I guess, straighten my life back out. And he kind of came into my life and healed me and fixed me and made me new again. And uh, that's when I got set on fire for the faith. And that's a, a long story. But yeah, I got set on fire and he just filled me to overflowing with his love and peace and joy and Holy Spirit. And I've just wanted to help as many people as possible ever since. Yeah, I can tell, man. You just, you, uh, the joke is with some of us guys out here that watch a lot of content is uh, you and, is it Father Schmidt? Is that his name? That Father Mike Schmitz. Yeah, y'all are like this. Y'all can do some fast talking, man. Yeah, sorry. I gotta I gotta slow down, I guess, a little bit. Don't and you? um I remember my friend uh Julie, she's from Georgia, and we went to a store and um my wife and I went in, we picked up a whole bunch of things. And then we were like, where's Julie? Where's Julie? And we uh we were looking for her. I went back and she's still in the very first aisle. And I smacked my forehead. I said, what are you doing? And she's like, and she was literally feeling every apple in creation. I was like, just pick one and let's go. And yeah. um, so I didn't actually say that to her, but I was like, they're so slow. They do everything slow. And so, you know, I was like, and so I asked her, I was like, you know, obviously we think you guys are slow at everything, you know, and you know where you're slow in the way you talk, you're slow in the way you choose. And it's not a bad thing necessarily. And um, 
And she, I said, you know, what do you guys see about Northerners? You know, what, what, are, what is our issue? She's like, well, you guys have the opposite problem. She's like, you're too fast. You talk fast, you go fast. She's like, you're not even done with one task before you're thinking about the next task that you need to do. She's like, you never just stop and smell the flowers. And I was like, that's actually true. You know, we, we, and especially up here in the Northeast, we go way too fast and it's like, we don't have a lot of peace because of it, you know, but when I go down South and everything slows down, I'm like, I can breathe. You know, it's actually kind of nice. Well, now I was, um, I'm not trying to dox you, but I'm in Alabama and we spent uh, uh, some time in January last month. We were in the Northeast and to me, the main difference is Y'all got a whole bunch of people in a small area. Yeah. And I mean, really, that just going driving from New York City to Washington, D.C., you go through all those big cities that are just right there, you know, one in Philadelphia and, you know, Baltimore, it's just all packed in. And I, I Googled, if I, if I read correctly, 50, 52 million people live in that corridor yeah that's crazy, crazy. yeah that's really my, my oldest son he he lived in san francisco for 10 years okay with with his female fiance let me clarify that and uh i'd go out there man it's just like you go to the grocery store and literally there's 15 people ahead of you in every single line yep exactly chaos man and 15 miles compared on sunday some days some days it's way more so yeah it is kind of chaos it's it's yeah it yeah, is i like people to live up there huh? <laughs> you have to like people a lot to live up well, there the, the irony is people down south are much nicer uh people yeah. up north are known to be more snobby more rude more they keep to themselves probably because we are so fast-paced we're just trying to get to the next thing it's not that we don't care it's just we don't have time for you and uh, I, I'm from Boston, and we were voted the rudest and snobbiest state out of the 50. I remember I was uh, trying to find out what time it was so I could catch my train. And on the street, I, I called out to this man. I said, hey, excuse me. And he said, he didn't even answer me. He didn't even look. I said, excuse me. And uh, I said, he didn't look again. So I yelled at him. I said, excuse me. And he turned. He said, what do you want? And I said, I just want to know what the time is. He's like, 540. Is that all? I was like, yeah, that's all. Have a great day. I'm like, yeah. really? You can't even just talk to somebody, but you know, that's how it is a lot of times up here and uh, you get used to it. Um, but it's a shock for Southerners. <laughs> well, I was in, do you remember that uh, haunted, scary movie, Amityville? Yeah. Okay. We were at, we were in Long Island a couple weeks ago and just one of those weird things about me, I wanted to go to that house. So we went to that house. I wanted to take a video of it. And then we went around the corner and stopped at like a convenience store slash gas station. I don't know what y'all call them up there. But me and my wife and son went in there and got some donuts and coffee. You know, we're fixing to drive, you know, go driving. And uh, the guy behind the counter, man, you know, all I said was, how you doing? You know, smiled at him or something like that. And he looked at me. Like I was from another planet. He said, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, hey, man, how you doing? Fine. That's all he said. Fine. And looked at me like I had insulted him. And what? Yeah. We went out That's because up north, no one really talks to you unless they want something from you. 
like, uh, you know, oh, on the street, they will talk to you if they want money from you or if they want you to do something. So you generally avoid people who talk to you because they're probably strangers and they just want something or, you know, so it's kind of a bad thing. But uh, yeah, my family is actually nice. We talk to, we're one of the rare people up here. I talk to everybody and, you know, but I don't know. I enjoy it down south more because everybody talks to everyone. Everyone has their head screwed on straight. Um, you know, <clears throat> move there. Yeah, uh, maybe. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. But, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done up here, too. So, I mean, I talked to confirmation classes up north and I'd say <clears throat> only about half the kids believe in God. About half the kids or they're not even, most of them don't even believe in the Bible, the Eucharist. They have no idea. I asked them what confirmation was recently and they had no idea. Class, like a hundred kids, no idea. So I started calling on kids. I said, you received something at confirmation. What do you receive? And they said, um, a certificate. I said, no. I, mm -hmm. They said, uh, a little white ball. I'm like a white ball. They're like, yeah, the priest gives it to you. I'm like communion. I was like, I wanted to like shake them. I'm like, really? And they're like, another kid's like a saint name. I'm like, you guys don't know what you receive at confirmation. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's so basic. Come on. But this is what I deal with up here all the time. Nobody knows anything. And religion's like a last priority. And, you know, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, it's just, um, it's sad. Because down here, I'm in the Bible Belt. And it's just the opposite. Um, what is changing? We're going to be like you guys in another generation. I, I, I feel bad for my grandkids. I do. But uh, down here, man, even the criminals love Jesus. <laughs> man, even a serial killer or a rapist or a drug dealer is going to say, how you doing, bud? Out in the parking lot. I mean, everybody's nice here. Yeah. We're, we hug. You know what hugging is? Yes. <laughs> you know, right? Man, you can well, meet somebody. Like, if you came over here, to visit my house and my friends, you'd be hugged about 20 times the first 15 minutes you were here. And you would be like, people from up north and, and England that visit me, they're like, you know, it freaks yeah. me. Our Catholic communities, uh, I run a lot of Catholic communities here in Connecticut. So our, all of our us Catholics hug. But outside of that, you know, people are very, you know, like standoffish. But one of my dreams is to come to the Bible Belt <clears throat> and uh, wear my Catholic shirts and yeah. just walk the streets and visit all the Protestant churches and evangelize them for an entire week. Like, I just want to go down there for a week and evangelize Protestants and talk to them. Well, I'd love to do that. Grab your calendar book out. <laughs> I'm serious, man, because look, here's a project. And this is sad, Brian. Um, I have presented this to to priests and other people. And I know everyone's busy. I know you're very busy. It's try You're a busy guy, but I thank you that even though you've got a big social media footprint, you take time for the little guys. That You've always been nice to uh, to say something to me on a, on a comment or something. I appreciate that. Because some of these um, apologists, man, uh, Never mind, I'll change the subject back. But here's here's my plan, okay? And uh, what I want to do is, like, I could get you or someone, preferably younger than me because I'm old, but I would like to go to a public place like a park or a grocery store and just around here in, in Alabama. And when people come 
you know, when you got somebody with a camera, everybody, a lot of people want to be interviewed. They can lie about it, but they want to be interviewed. So you got like me, you and a camera guy, and they come up, hey, can we ask you a, a quick survey? We're not selling nothing. And then just simply go down a list of about, you know, tell me what Catholics believe. And you have a little list like, what do you know any Catholics? Have you ever been to Mass? Uh, what is the Eucharist? Um, what's the first word you think when you hear the word Catholic? Um, what do you think about confession? Things like that. Just ask them what Catholics believe. And I guarantee you, Brian, no one will pass that test here. No, no. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. My brother, my little brother, Terry, he's he's born and raised Baptist. A great guy. He's a believer at all. Very smart guy. He can fly an airplane. I can't. And um, I had him on the live show three hours last week. Three hours. And I just asked him questions about what Catholics believe. And with the answers he gave me, I'm thinking, I can't believe I've been sharing my faith with him for 10 years. And he still don't know three things that we believe. Yeah. And then after you do the interview with these people, then you can say, well, hey, you can hand them something to take home with the answers, preferably something they can hear that's fun, you know, not a book, <laughs> a theology book. Here, here's your catechism to read when you get home. But just, you know, that's what I want. All these people are saying, hey, to Brian, because you're the first celebrity. Hi, Larry. Jody. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to be here, and I'm very excited to talk about our topic today. Um, and we can talk off air about, um, you know, coming down or doing something in the future. That might be a possibility. But yeah, I'd love to talk about our topic. That would be great. What um? Let me ask you something real quick before I forget. I watched a video you did. It's been some years ago, but you know, here in Alabama, if you say Catholic to anyone on the street. The first thing that's going to come out of their mouth is pervert. That's the first thing. Scandal, child molester, pervert. Um, and, you know, that, that is the reputation here. And I think it's probably the number one black eye the church has anywhere, I, I think. And I heard a video you did where you came out with the FBI crime statistics, the actual hard facts, the numbers. And I just about got it memorized, that video you did. But I'm getting old. I know you thought I was about 30, but I'm, I'm starting to lose a little bit of my memory. So could you kind of tell the folks the reality about that? Because the perception's wrong out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And a lot of people, the first thing they say, or even Catholics here, you know, the, the very first thing they say, oh, well, look at your priests. They're all rapists. They're all, they all do bad things to children. You know, and your church is a huge pedophile problem all the way up to the Pope himself. And I said, really? I was like, can you prove that? Can you offer any facts whatsoever besides just conjectures and what the media says? And of course, <clears throat> they can't. They say, well, just look around. I said, I am looking around, but I also have the facts. Do you? And so uh, if you look at it, uh, statistically, only 1.2% of priests were ever guilty 
of sexual abuse. And that was even in the height of the scandal, like when it was like raging. And most of these priests happened 30 to 50 years ago. So all the cases that you hear today, it's not happening today. So when people say the Catholic Church has a problem, no, it doesn't. It had a problem and it fixed the problem. Unlike all the Protestant churches that had a problem and still have a problem, um, like the Pentecostal churches. I mean, one, two pastors were brothers and they molested 99 kids each just by themselves. And that's just two pastors, not to mention all the other ones, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, they all have a problem, but nobody talks about it and no one's fixed it except the Catholic Church. And that's important to know. Um, But only 1.2% of priests were ever guilty. So was there sexual abuse? Yes. Did the Catholic Church do it? No, the Catholic Church was not guilty of it. Some priests, a very tiny, infinitesimal minority of priests were ever guilty of it. In fact, there are 44,000 priests in this country So 1% of that is what, you know, not a ton, but the bottom line is, you know, we don't realize that it's a hundred times more in public schools, a hundred times more sexual abuse happens in public schools and in institutions. So 85% uh, of sexual abuse usually happens in the family. 15% happens in uh, public school systems, gym teachers, mailmen, things like that. And then 1% of all sexual abuse happens in churches, religious institutions, just to put it in perspective. So I always tell people, if you hate sexual abuse, why aren't you going where it's everywhere, where it's rampant, where it's 100 and 200 times more? Why are you picking on the people who are the least perpetrators rather than the most, if you actually care about that? But you don't care about that because you just care about attacking the church because you don't like the church and you want to have something to grind against the church and the church hasn't had a problem with it and since 2001 when we fixed the problem and we put many blocks and checks in place so that it couldn't happen again we have all the teachers and catechists and everyone in catholic schools and churches being trained background checked zero tolerance policy they're putting as many checks as possible uh to make sure that it doesn't happen again even in new york uh the, the court ordered uh the diocese in new york to take some steps and the, the the court did not only took the steps but went well beyond those steps and the court was so impressed that they went way beyond what they were required to do to make sure that it never happened again <clears throat> just so you know people know but all these if you look in the news so many protestant churches have this happen probably even more per person than the catholic church even philip jenkins who is a Protestant and who is the foremost authority on the subject says this, you know, he says it happens oftentimes in Protestant churches, but they don't have the money the Catholic church does. So people go after the Catholic church and that sort of thing. So it's just good to keep in mind. Did stuff happen in the Catholic church? Yes. Was there evil? Yes. Did, were there evil bishops and priests who moved people around? Yes. Did bad things happen? Yes. Can we acknowledge that? Yes. And we should acknowledge that. Absolutely. But it, but it is the blown out of proportion, crazy thing that people make it to be? No. And is it still happening today? No, not really. In fact, the John Jay College of uh, Criminal Justice says only about six to seven credible accusations happen a year here in the United States, which is not the thousands and tens of thousands people make it to be. Yeah, I did a, I did a video at my, at my parish. So I'm a convert, so I usually just say my church, so forgive me. But I go to the cathedral and I, I was taking a, you know, I like to take videos when the priests and the everybody's coming down with the smoke bombs and the the cross and everything. I just love it. And I upload it. And this one video got like 1.3 million views and so many comments. I mean, it was getting like 
um, thousands of views a day, plus all the comments. And, you know, you kind of just look through there and they're just, that's what they're, they're always hitting us with that thing. And I'm always, I don't always because I avoid comments, but um, I'm just amazed how they're so ignorant of their own situation. It's kind of like this, okay? It's kind of like maybe I had a problem at my house 20 years ago, but over at your house, man, your, your house is going crazy with this stuff and you don't even acknowledge it. You right. Know? And the school system is, is really bad. And I live in the Birmingham area and you can Google. I, I'm not exaggerating. You can every single week we have school teachers or clergy in the Protestant ranks that get busted for child porn or improper relationships with kids, you know, uh, teachers with the students every week. And people around here, it's mostly, you know, when people say, what about all the perverts you got? I just say, you go to church? Yeah. I say, do this, go home and write, go to your Google thing, write pastor arrested and hit enter. And you'll be amazed at how much is going on in your church. But when it comes to Catholic church around here, man, there's, if there's not a peep of news, and if there is, it's always something from the 80s they're rehashing. Yeah, it's just a mudslinging thing that they can do. It makes it easy without doing any research. They think it has value, you know, and it's really kind of sad. It's just a, it's a scapegoat so they don't have to think or use their brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do you what is your recommendation for somebody that's wanting to get into a, a position like you, you have? I mean, there's a lot of. There are a lot of guys out there, girls, a lot of girls, a lot of ladies that really want to preach and explain the Catholic faith like you're doing. And um, how, what's, let's see, what is your way of studying and, and all? I mean, because you're constantly pushing out Catholic content day and night, 367. I mean, you cannot go anywhere in Catholic social media without seeing your face, hearing your voice, seeing a meme. It's everywhere. It's kind of like <laughs> everywhere you go. So how do you prepare for that? Well, I uh, prepared by studying a lot. Like I read a lot of articles. Uh, well, it started out <clears throat> first with me getting hammered by Jehovah's Witnesses. And so I just went and looked up their arguments. Then they gave me more and I didn't know what to say. So I went and looked up their arguments. Then they gave me more and I went and looked up their arguments and that sort of thing. And so from then on, I just started. And then I met Protestants, evangelicals, fundamentalists, and they give me articles. Where's Pope in the Bible? Where's purgatory in the Bible? You know, show me the word purgatory in the Bible and I'll become Catholic today, they would say. And of course, I couldn't find purgatory in the Bible. So I would go look it up. And so just, you know, like a year hard studying all the, these objections, just find all the objections to the Catholic Church and look up all the answers. I started making cheat sheets. I started underlining everything. Simultaneously, I was reading books. I was trying to read the Bible, Bible, whole New Testament, you know, cover to cover from the New Testament beginning to the end. So many different books that I would read as much as possible. I'd listen to as many talks online as possible and just <clears throat> try to digest all of these things. I'd make note cards with all the Bible, two or three Bible verses for each topic that I would need to, you know, memorize, like the Eucharist. 
You know, what do we need to know if someone talks to us about the Eucharist? Uh, John 6.51 through John 6.55 and Matthew 26.26 would be the two big ones. Confession, John 20.21 through 23 would be the big one, but also 1 Corinthians 5.17 through 22. And what about, you know, baptism? Well, John 3.5, Mark 16.16, 1 Peter 3.21, Acts 2.38 and 2.39. So I would just find a few with each of them and I would try to commit them to memory. And just so I could have some knowledge of how to come back to these people. And over time, you can memorize more if you want. But really, it just takes a lot of dedication and study. I also have a book called uh, Search and Rescue by Patrick Madrid, who's probably one of the premier apologists in the church. And it's uh, how to bring your family and friends into the Catholic Church or back into the Catholic Church. Hmm. And this isn't the... This isn't what to say. We can learn and study all the arguments. This is how to do it. This is the method you use. Because you can have all the right answers and still convert no one. You can have all the right answers and still be a jerk and push people away. So this is the method that'll bring people in with your good sound arguments. And this is really necessary, in my opinion. I think it's very important. Um, So... Yeah, that, a lot of studying, a lot of prayer, because you can't do anything without prayer. If you even try to do apologetics without a prayer life, you're basically trying to be Jesus without Jesus. You know, like Adam and Eve in the garden, you're trying to be God without God just by eating the fruit. And so it's like you need to have a good prayer life. You need to study a lot and then you need to practice and fail and try again and fail and try again until you get the hang of it. And that's kind of what I did. It's kind of like you can learn martial arts in a studio, you know, in a contained, safe environment, or you can just you know, learn to fight by living on the streets and getting your head beat in every day. And usually those people are tougher, you know, because they have to go through it the hard way. And that's kind of how I learned apologetics the hard way, you know, getting my head beat in by all these different religions. But, you know, I learned a lot more. Now, how long have you been doing apologetics? Probably over 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah. When you were in you said when you started when I was in, yeah, Steubenville and I would go to the uh, abortion mill every uh, uh, every Saturday, and we had hundreds of people going to pray for the life of the unborn child, and all the religions knew it. So they used to come and try to convert Catholics, and so yeah. I used to go, and, you know, and I used to talk to them. And but after like a year, I was going after them. I was chasing them and asking them questions. They didn't know the answers. And then once I graduated from Steubenville, I would go visit Protestant churches. I would visit Jehovah's Witness churches. I would go to the Mormon churches. I would go evangelize them. I would knock on their doors, and I would go to as many different Protestant denominations as I could. I would sit through. The services. I'll get in conversations with people afterwards. And that's why you see sometimes on my, on my Catholic Truth YouTube channel that I always put up conversations with different religions and I talk mm-hmm. about the conversations we've had. Yeah, I've got you on my podcast thing. I'm, I'm, I've got you on, I've got you everywhere, man. I can't get away from you. <laughs> and um, yeah, you're everywhere. Instagram, you everywhere. Um, when do you okay, you got two kids and a wife, and I know you're very busy. Do you have a, a a regular daily routine that you do to uh, to manage all this? I mean, like, when do you pray? Well, up until COVID, which kind of threw a stick in the spokes, so to speak, um, I used to pray for an hour every morning before I even woke up, before I started the day. I, I teach, I taught for many years in the public school systems. I was a substitute teacher. And Mm -hmm. so it gave me a lot of time to write my books, um, work on my apologetics and things like that. So every morning I woke up at like 5.30, I would, maybe 5.15, I would pray for an hour. Then I would get in the shower, I would eat, and then I would leave and go to school. 
And then I'd come home later, do a rosary and pray before bed as well. So I pray, probably pray around an hour and a half every day. Um, <clears throat> but even if people did like a half an hour in the morning or 20 minutes in the morning, spending time reading the scriptures and reflecting on them or praying a rosary, watching mass on TV, going to mass even better. Um, you know, this would be a great start to the day and a great start in your life. I mean, we need a good prayer life. I mean, it's we're joke, you know, in a sense, if we're trying to do apologetics without God. And I know so many people are online. That's how I would get into this. It's a war, dude. It's a war. And I know that if I don't pray a lot, I get angry. I get impatient. I get um, <clears throat> upset at all the things going on in the church. <laughs> yeah. And I get like sn snarky and snappy. And and I see when that starts happening, when I'm just doing it just to do it. And it's, it ceases to become a ministry and it, I just do it to get it done. So when I pray a lot and I pray a lot in the morning, it organizes and focuses my whole day. And um, with a child, two children now, it's been much more difficult, but I've been having to wake up in a sense before the children wake up. And that's my goal. I'm still not perfect at it, but I'm working on waking, going to bed earlier and waking up earlier so I can have that quiet, peaceful time with God because that centers my day on him and it, it directs all my ministry efforts toward him. And uh, even stopping throughout the day sometimes um, to pray is very helpful uh, to reconnect me to God. What? Rosary or your yeah, my wife and I my wife and I do a rosary every night after dinner. So that's our rosary time. So you got a, a fired up and hooked up wife. Yeah, she yeah, we I have, I have a good Catholic wife as well, I'm thankful for. That's good because there, you know, I see here's what I see a lot. I see a lot of really on fire Catholic guys, but their wife just isn't or they're not even Catholic. And I see a lot of girls. There's a lot of young ladies on YouTube and Instagram preaching, 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 and their husbands are, are not Catholic or they're just not into it. And for you to say you have you know you have a wife that's praying a rosary with you every night, that's that's pretty rare, I think. I think it's rare. I think it's yeah. rare. I don't know, but, you know, some we, we were at least for the last uh, during her pregnancy, you know, it was a hard pregnancy. So we needed to pray more. So we pray. We tried to pray a chaplet every day and we tried to pray the rosary every day. I myself also tried to take quiet time or go to mass um, <clears throat> and also listen to an inspirational video like for Father Mike Schmitz or some spiritual video that would help keep me focused every day. That That's what I wanted to do. Talk fast for you, does he? Oh no, he talks fast. He does. Okay, y'all, somebody that knows how to do all the technical stuff needs to do a side by side of you guys. Really, uh, be a like Father Mike's going. No, it's Brian. He's talking faster. I love it. That would be funny. So, um, do you know who John Marchione is? Yes, he was actually one of the people I studied a lot. I read a lot of his art, tons of his articles when I was first learning apologetics. I think he's good. Okay. Um, he, uh, when I was coming into the faith, I got on Facebook and posted something random about being, I'm going to mass. And I don't know, I put it on Facebook somehow. And of course, all the dogs start barking, you know, all the commenters. And there's this girl I know through my wife. And she sent me a text that I want to mail you something that you might like that might help you. And so I gave her my address and I got a 
the CD in the mail, and it was from John Marchione, and it was a it was a rapid fire CD. Does anybody use CDs anymore? I do. I'm old school though. Set or eight track nowadays, but uh, I'm old enough to remember eight tracks too and records. Okay. All right, so I started listening to that CD, man. It was like fast paced, and it literally covered about eighty topics. I- I'm not kidding. And he talked super fast, like you and Father Mitch Smith, and um, I listened to that CD, and it just blew me away because he was answering the exact questions that were bothering me about converting. He didn't he didn't waste no time with stuff I didn't care about. I mean, it was just the hurdles you have to jump to become Catholic if you come out yeah. of background, and so. I was so impressed with it that I actually went to all the Protestants I knew that were highbrows. You know what highbrows are? I'm a lowbrow. Highbrows are lofty people. So I found some lawyers and uh, professional people that were Protestant. And, And I said, will you listen to this CD and just tell me if this guy is really bad off base? And everyone that listened to that CD told me, you know what? I'm not Catholic, but I agree with about 98% of what he's saying. Wow. Um, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Another uh, person, uh, Steve Ray, he's a, yeah. one of my favorite apologists. And uh, he has a uh, CD called Finding the Fullness of Faith. Every anti-Catholic I've ever given it to has converted their their mind and their heart and their understanding. Even Seventh-day Adventists, who are notoriously anti-Catholic, would be like, you know, if I did convert, I would become Catholic, you know, like, so he, it's a very powerful conversion story. And in fact, on our Catholic truth, uh, in our Catholic truth ministry, now we have apologetics training. I've started apologetics one-on-one training. So if people want to sign up for classes with me, you know, and learn how to do apologetics, learn how to be an apologist, they can, you know, email us and find out how to do that, you know, whether they want a one-time session or weekly or whatever, you know, we give tips on how to do apologetics effectively and, or just answer their questions that they have kind of like you needed your questions answered. You know, we all do because then, you know, it sets us on fire. Once we get, once it makes sense, you're like, Oh, I just want to share it with everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I finally got a hold of John because all it had on his CD was a post office box in a, in a little town called Pleasant Grove with no phone number. I finally tracked him down to EWTN, and uh, this was, you know, years ago. So I called him, and I said, can I come meet you at EWTN? Because I wanted to talk to him. I had more questions. And so, believe it or not, he told me to meet him at the lobby after one of his shows. He didn't know me from anybody. Mm. And when I got there, I was in the lobby, all sitting there nervous. And he comes out of the studio. He says, are you John? I said, yeah. He said, follow me. So he's a short little bald-headed guy. So I'm following him, and he goes, oh, what do you do for a living? And I told him I have a carpet cleaning business. He said, you clean carpet? I said, yeah. He said, you think you clean my carpet at my house? I said, yeah. So we get to the trunk of this car, and he opens it up because I I'd want more CDs. That's what I wanted. He gave me, I'm not kidding, he gave me, like a two foot tall stack of his CDs. Wow. And 
And I tried to give him a $20 bill because that's all I had. I was broke. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what, you show up at my house Saturday and clean my carpet. You can have all this stuff. And he gave me just piles of stacks of apologetic CDs. So that's, I memorize those CDs. I listened to them for like two years. Wow. So is, that your, is that your method or is it reading? You rather um, read? Both. Both. I did everything. I read and I, I love, I'm more hands-on. So I like to read, underline, write in the margins and uh, so I can go back and just remember it that way. But I've also listened to people like Steve Ray and his Finding the Fullness of the Faith. I think I've listened to it six or seven times just so I can memorize all of the arguments he made word for word. And I use the arguments and they're good. Like, you know, he uh, saw some Protestants once uh, at a bookstore. He went to a bookstore and bought anti-Catholic books. And they said to him, oh, those are great books. He said, no, they're actually garbage. And the bookstore owner said, wait, what? he's like, they're garbage. I used to be an anti-Catholic. Now I'm a Catholic and I know they're full of lies, but I want to keep up to date on all the latest arguments. And so uh, he's like, what, well, what are you talking about? You guys worship Mary and you believe in your faith and you have all these unbiblical traditions. He's like, oh, he's like, so let's get down to it then. Oh, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. He said, you are the one with unbiblical traditions. He said, what are you talking about? He's like, you believe in two big unbiblical traditions. Bible alone and faith alone. Go ahead and show me where it says faith alone in the Bible. And the people and the the, the store owner uh, behind the counter said, oh, well, it says it in Romans 3.28, you're saved by faith apart from works of the law. And he said, no, that's the works of the law. Those are the Jewish rituals. That never says faith alone. You're reading that into scripture. And in fact, Martin Luther added the word alone to his Roman, uh, to his German translation in Romans 3.28. So show me faith alone. He said, Romans chapter four, we are saved by faith apart from works. And Abraham was not justified by works, but by faith. He said, again, that's works of the law. It's like, like circumcision. That's why circumcision is mentioned nine times in Romans four. He said, try again. He said, well, the words faith alone aren't there, but it can be assumed. He's like, no, no, that doesn't cut it. Because when it comes to Catholic doctrines, you want to see everything in black and white. And so I want to see faith alone next to each other in black and white. And he said, well, it's not there if you have that criteria. And he said, actually, it is. Can you open up to James 2.24? And at this time, he said that there was a whole like circle of people gathering from the bookstore listening to the conversation. And he said, can you read that for everybody? And it said, so you see that Abraham was justified by works and not by faith. And then he stopped alone. He's like, I've never seen that before. He's like, neither did I before I was Catholic. So these are the kind of like good arguments he gives. And I gave that exact same argument word for word to seven anti-Catholic Protestants at World Youth Day. You should have seen them huddled around the Bible in a circle, all looking at the words faith alone that they had never seen before. And uh, I was like, you guys are believing a false doctrine and you're trying to lead millions of Catholics astray here at World Youth Day when you yourselves are, don't even have biblical doctrines. And so I left those seven anti-Catholics. They were like, didn't know what to say. And so I love listening to their arguments and I love reading their arguments, memorizing them, and then you know regurgitating them to other people. That's really good, man. Um, do you, okay, so Scott Ray's CD is like the number one you would recommend to some of us to? I'd recommend reading and CDs together. Uh, re reading or, yeah, listening, you know, whether it's by YouTube or CD, whatever's the best for you. I know some people have watched all 250 of our 
videos on our YouTube channel and taken notes on every one of them. Like I, their knowledge base is probably, you know, grown astronomically. Mm -hmm. um, so it just depends on the person. Different people have different learning styles, you know. Are you, um, I don't know how, um, when I was at EWTN, it, I used, when I worked there, I was really bothered with all the people that were telling me their churches, mostly up north, were dried up, just five old ladies praying the rosary and all this stuff about how they have all this craziness going on. And it was really bothering me about the church drying up. Then when I got, I discovered YouTube as a Catholic. And when I started doing my little channel, I thought I was the, a groundbreaker. I really did think that I was, man, I got an idea ain't nobody got. And then I found out that there's people like you everywhere and they're getting younger and younger and younger. And it just fires me up to see so many people, really teenagers getting into this, getting into the church and, and all wanting to defend the faith and share the faith with their friends. What, um, like this guy, Jody, I don't know if Jody's still with us. He said, Hey, a minute ago, but he's an RCIA. And I just, I just, Can't hear you anymore. Am I back? Uh, your sound is back, but your visual is not. Your video is not back. Okay, well maybe that's a good thing. But uh, how can we get your like your materials in mass put in RCI and what what I'm wanting to do, Brian, is like take take your because you got some answers. I mean you can. You know, if you were a lawyer, I'd want you to be my lawyer. And because you're you're bold and you have the answers and you don't, you don't, oh, I'm trying not to use any Southern slur, but I don't know, man. I just want to package something simple to get, to give mostly to these kids. And when I say kids, I'm talking about people, uh, you know, 30s and 20s that are really excited. So, how, how can we get your stuff in there? What's the easiest way to get as much of your stuff into their hands as as, as we could by your well, uh You can either go, you can either probably just go to our website, catholictruth.com forward slash shop. Uh, right at Catholic Truth, we sell CDs, we sell DVDs, we sell DVD sets, we sell uh, T-shirts like this one, Many oh. Opinions, Only One Truth, Catholic Truth. We sell... Uh, uh books our books and we're actually we wrote um tons of about 50 tracks protestant tracks to to counter protestant Jehovah's witnesses mormons and right now we're currently taking all those tracks and putting them in a book so people can have all the answers they want um in a book so really uh, our website would probably be the best place catholictruth.org okay i'm gonna go back and put it in the in the notes get everybody to look it up but Man, I, but you I, gave me a good idea, John. You gave me a good idea too. I think I'm going to start taking some of our YouTube videos, and um, you know, like on uh, the a 20 minute video on confession, a 20 minute video explaining the Eucharist, and a 20 minute explaining baptism, the three initial uh, initial sacraments. And so maybe I'll put those in a on a DVD and just make it so that um, RCAA programs or um, RCA classes want, if they want to use that sort of stuff, they can have 
you know, the main questions answered right on a CD, or I could have like 10 different topics on a CD, 10 minutes each, explaining all the basics of the Catholic faith. And so they can have, you know, maybe show a 10 minute one at the beginning of each class or something like that. So you give me a good idea. I'll think about that. Yeah, John Marchione, I think the the CD that I had was uh, called Two Minutes, Two Minute Apologetics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've listened to that one before. It's good. Yeah, where he spent two minutes on each subject is just a machine gun. Pop, 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 pop. But man, it's just, it made, yeah, man, I like, if you had one of those, because you're a good, you're, you're able to articulate what I want to articulate, but I've got too much redneck impediment, redneckness in me to do it the way I want it done, you know. So, like a CD with uh, the top, you know, 10. You know, there's always this top 10 things that Protestants are always throwing at us. It's like nothing else. You know, it's kind of like in warfare, they're still dragging around clubs and rocks and the rest of us have nuclear weapons because they don't have anything. Protestants do not have anything against us that they can use. When you look at it in context, they have nothing. nothing. And Catholics are so intimidated to debate, discuss, share with these people because Catholics have, I think Catholics have a long image of all these Protestants being Bible scholars. But most Protestants don't go to church. They're no different than we are. We talk about people not going to Mass. They don't go to church. No, I know. And and that's true. I think people say, oh, well, Protestants know the Bible and Catholics don't. Protestants go to church and Catholics don't. There's this misconception out there of that. When, in fact, I've gone to countless Protestant churches and the pastors are always lamenting, where are the youth? Where are the youth? We need to reach the youth. Or, um, you know, pastors are saying, why why aren't people here? We got to get more people in the seats or, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, they struggle with these things, too. In fact, a lot of Protestant denominations are dying out. Methodists, Episcopalians, they're all dying out and trying to combine together so they can exist because so many people aren't going to church in the Protestant churches as well. The only churches that are really growing are um, Baptists uh, and uh, mostly non-denominational evangelicals because a lot of times it's about the feelings. It's more of a concert. It's not really... You know, church. I mean, someone yelled at me the other day. He's like, you know, trying to evangelize me. They're like, your church doesn't even have good preaching. I was like, I can find good preaching on YouTube. I don't need to go to church for that. That's not what church is about. Church is about worshiping God, not listening to a pastor preach and, you know, tickle himself fancy. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, we have a church here and you can Google it if you want to. It's called Church of the Highlands. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's you should get me to come door. speak there. Yeah, you should. It's next door to EWTN. It's the fastest growing Protestant church in America, they say. I'll and evangelize them. I'm happy to go there. That's a good. That would be a good thing to do, Brian. Yeah, just bring a camera crew behind me and let's go. That sounds good. Let me work on that, okay? But see, you. here's how you are. I can discuss and debate with the best of them if I ain't got an answer right then. You're the type you can you got the answer on the tip of your of your tongue right then. Uh, you know, a lot of that's the way God made you. Your personality, the way Brian is built, you know, it's just you can you just always have the answers. And I guess what I need to do is get a bunch of your CDs 
and listen to them while I'm sleeping. Do you ever do that? Yeah, I I did for a little while. I don't know if it actually helps, but I tried it. I've heard it works. I don't know. I've heard it works too. I mostly do it with other languages like Spanish or French or things like that. Yeah, there's a, I can't even get English down. And I was reading, you, you know how um, YouTube or Spotify will transcribe what you're saying and you're yeah. looking. I'm like, my gosh, man, that, I would go to any English class. And, and and flunk it. They would be red slashing all my papers. But uh, man, how do you? Okay, let me ask you uh, another quick question. I know you're busy. Um, what do you do when you encounter a person you're talking to, and you just start getting this anger welling up at you? You know, when you're discussing something, because some, you know how something. Maybe some question or attitude can kind of push your buttons. Do you do you deal with that, or are you just perfect all the time? Huh. Uh, I used to be perfect all the time, but that was a grace of God, and that was after I messed up many times. Um, yeah. In front of the abortion clinic, I used to get so heated with Protestants when they just couldn't under. I'm giving them clear answers from the Bible. One. Yeah. One Peter three twenty one says baptism saves you, and they're like baptism doesn't save you. Catholics are lost. You're a bunch of morons, and they start insulting you. That just gets me mad because I'm literally giving them good answers, and they're just insulting me in return and saying they're lost, and they're not even trying to grapple with what I'm saying. So it used to get me so mad, and so we used to just Bible sling back and forth, and I used to get heated and walk away with these idiots who can't understand anything, and you know that that's kind of how I became after you know a year or two of studying and knowing more than everyone else, quote unquote. Um, you know, I started to become angry because even though I knew more than them and I knew I was right and they were wrong, I couldn't prove that they were wrong. So I would get angry that I knew what I, what I was saying and I knew I was communicating it clearly, but I couldn't make them convert. And that just made me angry. And I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from is that we try to be basically my friend told me I had a Jesus complex. He told mm -hmm. me I was trying to become G I was Jesus. I moved Jesus aside. Jesus is the one who does the heavy lifting. He's God. He's has the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is the one who convicts people. The Holy spirit is the one that changes lives, changes hearts. And he's like, I put all that aside and I'm trying to do it all myself. And I'm getting angry because I can't do it. And um, I was like, that's actually very true. So a lot of times our anger comes from the fact that, we don't like the fact that people aren't listening to us or are getting angry themselves. And we don't realize that it's all God's work. We're literally just instruments. We're windows that light shines through and we hope and that the light, you know, shines through bright enough. We're literally just prayer hands that plant seeds and we pray for those seeds and God waters those seeds. The more we pray for people, the more God will water the seeds we planted. The more water that comes down, the more we pray, the more their lives are probably going to be converted. And uh, this came to me, you probably heard this story, but I was in front of the abortion mill talking to this one woman and she was yelling at me in my face. You are a man. You have no right to be here. You're, uh, you don't have ovaries. This isn't your opinion. And I said, well, you deserve to go to hell because you sound like a baby killer and all this other stuff. I was like, you're a terrible person. How could you kill your own child? You monster. You're no better than Hitler. And I like chewed this lady out just because that's how I was back in the day. And as mm -hmm. soon as someone got mad at me, I would get mad at them. And uh, then I came back about 10 minutes later after cooling down. And uh, my friend Bridget was sitting on the sidewalk, Indian style, uh, cross-legged. And she was sitting there. And the lady 
who I yelled at was laying in her lap. So the lady was laying on the cement and her head was in Bridget's lap and she was sobbing so much so that her tears were just uh, soaked herself like bad makeup cry. And in yeah. fact, he was sobbing so hard her lungs were coughing. She was coughing and coughing. And this late girl, Bridget, couldn't explain the, her faith to save her soul. And all she did was rub the lady. All she did was rub her, rub her, rub her. And she was so loving and so gentle. And I saw Jesus in her that day. She did more to bring her toward Jesus without any words whatsoever than yeah. I did in 50 years of talking to her the way I did. So the bottom line is I learned that way. God gave me the biggest slap of my life upside the head. And he said, it's all about love. It does not matter what you say. It matters how you treat people and how you love them. So from that day on, I, I mean, for 20 years, I never even got heated or angry in a conversation. Even if, even if people were yelling at me, even if people were upset at me, I just tried to see, you know what, the more angry they are, the more they need love. The more angry they are, the more problems that they have, that they have a battle inside that they're fighting, that they're losing. And I I'm not going to help them lose that battle by yelling at them. I'm going to love them even more and help them through that battle. Or they have a battle they're fighting there. They're seeing the truth and they don't want to they don't want to deal with it. You know, me yelling at them isn't going to help them deal with it. It's going to convince them in their minds that what they think about the Catholic Church is true rather than if I just love them through their animosity. They mm -hmm. have nothing to convict me of. And when they go home, they're going to think of those contradictions in their mind. They're going to think of how loving I was. And it's going to be much more uh, helpful toward bringing them to the faith. So the bottom line is God has blessed me with a great grace of just being loving uh, after that time for most of these years. Sometimes like right now, if I don't stay prayed up online and I'm being hammered day and night and I'm not prayed up, I can get angry and you know just snarkily answer back you know because it becomes about being right again rather than about ministry rather right. than about loving the person it's all about loving the person and seeing beyond their anger seeing beyond their hurts to what is the real issue in their life their struggle the, the maybe they had some some problem with god maybe someone was mean to them in the church they're bringing up the crusades they're bringing up the inquisition they're bringing up all this stuff they don't even care about but they're bringing it up with animosity when their real person real issue was someone was mean to them so if you're loving to them perhaps you can counteract that of what someone else did in the church so you know it's a grace and it takes prayer a lot of prayer that's a good word brian it's probably the best word i've heard in a long time <laughs> That's good. Well, look, man, I got to run, but I appreciate you being on the show with me, and I would love to have you again, if you if you want to, to talk more about that place you were at before you got, before the Lord pulled you out of that goth or whatever, the all-black Columbine-sounded stuff. Like That's exactly what I was being. I was exactly going down the route of Columbine. Like, I... I well, I don't want to say everything I did online because, uh, but, um, but I can talk about a lot of it, but I, yeah, I used to sit in railroad tracks and let the train go over my head, like six inches. I used to carry weapons and yeah, I was becoming a Columbine kid. I was a nice kid, but on any day I could go off that other direction. The only reason I didn't was because my parents brought me up in the faith and I knew I would go to hell. So, you know, that's good, but yeah, I would be happy to come back on, you know, sometime and talk about that. And I'd be happy to, um, you know, maybe come down sometime and evangelize in person. We need to do that, brother. I appreciate right. it. No I'll, problem. I'll... Thank you for having me on. Okay, bud. Say hey to God your wife. God bless you. Okay. Bye. I love you. Take care. You too.